Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer, Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the Digital Workspace inner workings. So welcome, Mark, to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. Thanks for, for making some time for us. Um, do you want to start off with giving us a bit of an introduction? Oh, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Mark Chillingworth. I've been writing and editing for the CIO and CTO community uh, for 12 years now, or just over 12 years. And uh, yeah, find myself, I suppose, as the community editor, across, predominantly in the UK, but across Europe increasingly. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic place to be. That's great. Very interesting. And, and tell us, when you when you do your writing, I mean, what are you looking for topics-wise? I mean, how do you find those topics? That's a good question. So I, although probably the industry would term me a technology journalist, anybody who's seen me use technology would would quickly dispel that rumor because <laughs> um, it's a pretty frustrating experience, particularly for the computer. Um, so I, I feel I consider myself a business journalist and um, business Business is about people. We all do business. We all interact with businesses. We're all members of businesses. Uh, and businesses are both their, their strength is their people and sometimes their weakness is their people. And I just find that fascinating. I love meeting CIOs and CTOs, going to their organizations when you're allowed, and, and getting under the hood and finding out, you know, seeing the passion in a CIO and CTO's eyes as they show the organization and they, they introduce you to their team members and to the other people who are not directly in their team, but are, of course, sort of pivotal to what the organization is doing. It's the greatest pleasure in, in the world. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to do the job I do because I've been everywhere from on patrol across Salisbury Plain with Brigadier Alan Hill. Um, I've been inside steel factories, NHS trust hospitals, uh, and then, of course, your you good old-fashioned office, but all, all of them are, are vital. And all of them, there are people there doing something with passion, I find, and I, I just love that. When you said you were on patrol with, with the Brigadier, what were you actually doing? Uh, well, Alan does very well out of this story of uh, we, we went to a forward operating base on, on, on Salisbury Plain on a – blisteringly hot summer's day they were practicing uh, to go out on uh, on a mission in afghanistan and on this particular summer it, you know you, you could have been it was almost like you know some sort of uh, time warp had happened and you'd been trans teleported across the world to afghanistan everything was golden and burnt dry and bristling and edgy and we went to this forward operating base in a, in a land rover and uh, went into a tent uh, and straight away, you had this strange juxtaposition of a very, you know, the enterprise technology environment that you will and, and everyone listening knows in inside out, tables, laptops, the sand in the corner uh, and all that. And then suddenly a mortar goes off, uh, which is all part of the, the practice mission. And everyone jumps to the floor apart from the journalist who stands over his notepad. And uh, <laughs> uh, Alan burst out in laughter and was like, you're dead, mate. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, they, and it was amazing. We spent the whole day there 
and it was amazing to see how they rehearse every single element uh, and also the the professionalism from the from the text to the frontline troops going out and obviously all the technology interactions between all of that 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 was amazing but equally you know people like cindy fedel have taken me around their their nhs trusts and and introduced me to you know frontline nurses who are pushing the envelope of technology and uh, you know the passion uh, and professionalism between cindy and her team and alan and his team uh, there, there is no difference just the setting you mentioned that practice area and go back to the military thing. did they practice without technology if the technology were to go down an emp pulse or something like that I'm pretty sure they did. You'd best off asking uh, Don Coles now, uh, the CIO for the British Army, who I had the pleasure of writing about earlier this year. Um, but yeah, certainly the impression I came away from the NHS and the, the British Army is they practice and they train for every eventuality. It's unbelievable professionalism. Yeah, it's something I've been wondering about because we've now, with, with COVID, been pushed so hard to working from home and relying on this technology that for a lot of us was sort of normal, but for a lot of people it wasn't normal. Now everyone's using, you know, sort of everyone's leveled up to the same level. And the thing I was wondering about, what happens now if the technology were to go, were to fail? You, know, you weren't able to use Teams and Zoom and your laptops and the hack. Could, could your businesses operate at all, you know, because of this reliance? Uh, you know, there's going to be these issues, aren't there? And we certainly saw at the beginning of the lockdown, you know, when uh, huge numbers, of, Microsoft encouraged huge numbers of people to join teams and, and then hadn't quite got their capacity management right. But hats off to Microsoft, you know, they, they, they seem to solve that issue very, very quickly. Zoom, Zoom had similar issues. They resolved those very quickly. Uh, more security orientated, I believe, with Zoom. Um, so I think, you know, that, We've reached a, a very fascinating level of, of ability to respond, haven't we? There, there will there will still be failures, and there will there will still be peers of mine who, who enjoy telling the stories of the failures. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that I wanted to, to, to monopolise this. You got anything you want to add or ask of Mark? Uh, oh, I guess I'm sure we'll get into it. Uh, is there anything, Mark, that you've been um, writing about or editing? kind of recently is a topic that we might want to um, cover or that folks might be interested in? It's a good question. I mean, unsurprisingly, probably um, just like the CIOs, my huge focus throughout 2020 has been the enterprise cloud. Um, and I work with a number of uh, really cutting edge technology companies and they they rightly see that actually there's, there's going to be a, you know, a tech boom off the back of this for those organizations who maybe weren't as prepared as others. Uh, and so I've been helping them with a lot of uh, written and communications material because um, there are organizations who I think uh, as, as their, as their market bounces back or as just the economy returns to some form of normality, there will be a need to, to invest in the cloud because it's clearly the most responsive technology for this, this new world we're, 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 we're navigating. Do you do you have a feel for that? It's not a well-formed question, I guess, but for that growth, I mean, is it is it potentially businesses now moving the entire business to cloud and spending a fortune doing that transformation, or do you think it's it's pivoting completely into a new business line? I mean, do you have a feel either way and where that's going? I get the feeling actually it's not the latter. It's not you know actually that in some ways. I, I read increasingly that digital transformation to the, the, the sort of 
the, the fancy, glossy digital transformation of become an Uber uh, or that sort of storyline, I think that's going to slow down to a degree. Um, you know, business every every vertical market has taken a hammering through this. No matter no matter how positive things look for the technology sector, every market has has had a hit. Um, where I do see, I think, I suppose the growth is is that the the optimization and the efficiency of the business, where IT and cloud can really make some good inroads and, and you know help lower operating costs and improve margin. I think that's going to increase. Uh, and certainly, you look at last week's Harvey Nash CIO survey. You know, a massive increase in budgets for a short period of time. Um, but obviously now, or, or as if we do return to some sort of normality, understandably, the board uh, are going to expect a return on investment and some sort of, you know, knuckling down from that. And uh, so, yeah, CIOs are in a really interesting place, I think, going forward of delivering that optimization. But it may not be quite as sexy as, as building an entirely new digital business model for a new type of consumer or new consumer experience. Yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, because it is almost the plumbing that has to be sorted out, which is never sexy because that's that's hidden behind the veil of something else. Um, it has been interesting to sort of see in, in the in the group that you run and, and other groups how many CIOs and CTOs have been stuck in more human or people focused roles. So they've had to you know absorb HR into it, but but now work very closely with HR or be in steer codes with HR. Where HR was kind of this other tower and technology was another tower, and they were kind of doing their own things with some overlap. I agree. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's a testament to the role, isn't it? And you know, one of the things I find fascinating about the work I do is, you know, is leadership. I don't think, I don't think the English speaking world's particularly good at understanding that leadership is a, is a, is a skill in itself, is a great talent. Mm. And yet, funnily enough, you know, we're all sports obsessed in these, uh, and entertainment obsessed. And yet, you know, None of our teams in our favourite sports would get anywhere without a great leader. You know, for me, it's you know my, my love is cycling, and you know Dave Brailsford, to to all accounts, wasn't a particularly great bike racer, but my lord, is he a damn good bike team leader? Okay. Um, and, and we see that across football, rugby, tennis, all sorts. Um, and yet, we don't seem to extrapolate that to, to the world to the world of business and what have you. That. Uh, completely understanding that leadership is a great skill. And I think it's a testament that so many, to come back on track, so many of these CIOs have become good lead, you know, they are good leaders. They just happen to have a, you know, 60% of their responsibility is the technology function. Yeah, and I think, you you know, that, that is about, to largely communication, being able to communicate uh, and, and, you know, for a lot of, well, at least a lot of my career, what we did was always too technical, always we, we felt was too complicated to explain to the average business person. And, and to have those skills of being able to communicate those things um, and be able to not necessarily, you know, simplify to the point of making everyone feel talked down to or, or um, less than, but just getting across that, you know, this is hard work to be done, but it will deliver this value and come back to your ROI point. Um, I think there's, there's because of this pandemic, we artificially accelerate everyone else's learning curve that they can get that this technology does work uh, and does have some ROI, but may not be as direct as people want it to be. Absolutely. And we saw that in 2008-2009 uh, with the banking crisis. And I think that was the, the, real, the real first 
completely business focused step forward for CIOs. And I'll, I'll always remember it because we we managed to turn uh, my team and I managed to team turn CIO magazine around from being a loss maker to uh, a very profitable publication in that period. Uh, in that year, in fact, during 2008, but when everything went belly up at the end of two, the latter half of 2008, we still had, we had a very viable publication um, because the market course actually wanted to talk to the most senior business technology leader in that. And the, and the CIO by the end of 2008, 2009 was clearly a, a very business-minded technology leader. Mm. I mean, is that what you're seeing? So if we went back sort of that 12-year period to, to when you started to where you are now, I mean, have, have you seen drastic changes in the role, CIO, CTO, CDO even, or, or CISO? I wouldn't say drastic, but um, I, I definitely think, yeah, they, they became and they became welcomed as business leaders. And they proved, and I think, you know, they were already on a, and it has, it has only really become aware, sort of reminded me recently, actually, I had a, conversation with one of the big retail CIOs. They've already begun to win their spurs, obviously, in, in 2000 with Y2K, which, you know, there's lots of people going out on, you know, it was a myth and all the rest of it. Was it well, or, did, or did technology do its job and make sure everything stood up? And yeah. I think it is more of the latter. <laughs> um, so, so they've already begun their ascendancy, but I think, to, you know, the banking crisis was, you know, it was all about business, wasn't it? There was no, there was no failing in technology because of the banking crisis. It was a, a break in the marketplace, and, and COVID is the same. Um, and so it gave them that huge opportunity to demonstrate business value because you know so many organisations needed to tighten their belts. And then you know, not long after that, the iPhone arrived and began to really change markets. And so it's been a a fascinating 12 years for CIOs. Um, so not drastic changes. I think where where there is a slight change coming in the market, and again, writing about the Harvey Nash report was interesting last week, is I think we are seeing a, a growth of the more ops-centric technology leader. That's someone who can just keep the, the business absolutely performing optimally, delivering everything it promises its customer. And then we have seen this CTPO type job title, Chief Technology and Product Officer. And they are the more, the, the technology leaders who can envisage, but, all, but probably more importantly, galvanize and lead a team of people who will create new products and services. Mm. And we've seen them in the travel sector, in, in retail, and that. And I think so. I think there is a bit of a divide happening in the role now, and they're both absolutely brilliant roles. And it's it's a personality thing, I suppose, as to you know, some. I think over the next year or so, some CIOs will, will probably have to really look at themselves and go, actually, that that CTPO piece is is there's so much stakeholder management. There's so much, um, you know. Outbound communicating, talking, salesmanship effectively. That's not really me, but I love building great teams who build and operate great technology. And, you know, but huge, hugely important roles, both of them, and, and organizations and the CIO need to decide which one they need. It's funny you say that because as you were explaining the two roles, I was literally thinking, which one am I? Yeah. I the CTPO one more than the 
the sort of operational focused one. I mean, I've had to do both in my career, but but I definitely get more interested in in the CTPO one. Um, I think over the recent years as well, the operational bit's got a little bit sort of mis misaligned and misunderstood as if it's as if it's a bad thing. Mm. Um, and I think you know actually what what COVID has done actually shown how probably all CIOs have to be really good at the the operational bit. Yeah, and we've had that conversation for years, and you can't you can't get a seat on the board unless you got the ops bit. Yeah. Um, as businesses try to reconfigure themselves post pandemic, some of those some of those op, really operationally strong CIOs are actually going to be the rock stars going forward because that's exactly what their vertical market or business will need. Mm. I think we've had a few years where the, 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 the product orientated CIOs have been more of the rock stars, and that was. That was right and proper because we were transitioning into a new type of economy. Yeah. Uh, now we don't. We don't. None of us quite yet know what type of economy we will be in when you and I catch up this time next year. Sure. <laughs> did you? Um, I don't know if you listened to. Our, we, we published the episode now on which Star Trek captain would you choose for your digital transformation, and it, and it kind of alludes to what you're saying there. There's there's a Benjamin Cisco run a run a star base. Um, operational captain, and then you've got the more exploratory product one, I guess, which would be your your Janeways, your Picards, your your Archers that are exploring the the the, 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 the universe, yeah, solving problems. Um, I don't know if you caught that, but it was kind of the same analogy. I haven't no, and I'm not a big Star Trek watcher, so I'm not very good <laughs> on that one. Maybe it's the crew of the Millennium Falcon, and uh, Chewbacca's going to come to the fore now. Or, you know, whilst we've had the the Han Solo. Good-looking, uh, yeah, rebel years <laughs> for the last couple of years. We should probably do a Star Wars version of that because I, I think there is there are analogies there too. Yeah, um, you, you mentioned when we had our free call that you sort of you, you do it for four CIOs as well in the sense of writing communications for them. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, and it, and, it, and it very much connects to that point you made earlier about the need to communicate. Uh, and you know, all I do very simply is I do the writing for some CIOs and, and, and some IT departments. Because as you, as you say, so many CIOs have, have become aware of how important it is to communicate what they and their team are doing and what the impact on the business is, is both positively and sometimes you know, they need to explain some negative impacts that um, technology is having on their vertical market. And if they don't do something, the negative will, will increase. Um, but Obviously, over 12 years, what I've noticed is CIOs always all know that the need to, to spell out what's going on, but never have the time because there's, there's always a board meeting or there's always a new project or a new technology that's got, got to be implemented. Uh, and so a couple of CIOs very kindly have commissioned me and I've sort of become their, their embedded writer in their organizations and, and either go in or spend time with their teams and, and give everyone in because the whole team is like that, isn't it? It's not just the CIO who's always busy. I, I generally find whenever I'm working with IT departments, everyone is absolutely full throttle all the time, delivering and, and agile, of course, promotes that sort of uh, excitement, but also a continuous way of working. And, and they never get that time to write. And if you don't write for a living, it's a pretty daunting task. And, you know, Waking up to a blank page frightens the hell out of a lot of people, but it's my day job. A blank page is the start of every day, and some days you have to get four blank pages out of the door. Uh, not blank, obviously. <laughs> um, and and so I just take that burden off them is how I describe it, really. Of you know, they can give if you can give me thirty minutes of your time to 
brain dump what you and your team are delivering, then it's my job to, to make that uh, good editorial, uh, a readable story. So what, what sort of pieces are you writing for these teams? It's, it's, a, it's a variety, really. I mean, there's, there's a quite obvious case study to explain what, um, you know, what a new technology is doing, why a particular project was taken, was taken through the organization. Some of it's thought leadership. You know, so many organizations are transitioning the way they operate or the way they deal with their market and consumers. And there are people in the in the technology teams who absolutely have the the, the knowledge and the passion to, to explain to the organization, uh, you know, we need to do it this way because our consumer base is changing or our market base is changing. Um, but as I say, they don't have the time, so I, I, I can carry that stuff. Other thing, other things is 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 just good old fashioned explainers. Uh, one client recently asked for a wiki. You know, we've got so they've become a distributed business. Could you produce a wiki that explains how all these different things work so that when people are stressed, oh, why isn't X happening for me? They can uh, quickly, uh, uh, you know use the wiki and um, off we go. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, when you're that sounds like, you know, when you're that large of an organization, you know, essentially any, anyone you're writing for, it's such a huge audience at that point. I could see it being uh, quite daunting, almost like you're writing for customers. Absolutely. And like Ryan said earlier, you know, it's, uh, within the team of those CIOs may have become less technical in some cases within the team of course there are people who are deeply technical and that's what we pay them to do um and i can consume all that knowledge off them and despite not being any good at technology myself i'm hopefully fairly good at understanding well this is what the story is this is the piece of technical thing and i'll explain it like this uh, and hopefully that helps the uh, as you say the rest of the organization get ah that's what Jeanette does that's really clever <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into this uh, writing about technology, not being, you know, a super techie person yourself? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good one. It, it really was in the mid, mid-90s. Uh, bizarrely, I started my career as a motor racing journalist. Um, and there, basically, you either became, you either were Jeremy Clarkson, which I wasn't, and uh, or, or there, there was a pretty limited career in it. And uh, because there's always another young fella who wants to, or lady who wants to write about motor racing, um, and earn even less than you do. But I booming at the time. Obviously, I mean, I, some of my first gigs as a, as a technology writer were about the the free ISP wars, when you know the first routers and that were being sent out uh, to people's homes, uh, and there was massive competition to to onboard as many customers as possible. Uh, and so, you know, having written about racing drivers and, and their cars for a bit, it, the, an editor obviously assumed that I'd be I'd be able to cope with IT, and uh, so I, I moved into that, and I've never really left. Really, I've been writing, you know, as I say, although not a technical person, I've been writing about technology's impact on people and organisations ever since. And I'm sure you've picked up some of the, you know, all the lingo over the years. Um... Yeah, I mean, it does have its own language, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and even now, you know, talking to my my two daughters at times, and my wife is a technologist, so I do find myself slipping into the language and, and see a raised eyebrow. I was like, either that doesn't make sense, or uh, he says that as if he knows what he's talking about. 
And what are your thoughts now that we, we're going through this pandemic and it looks like we're going through our second wave in the UK? I mean, what are your thoughts on future of work or, or you know, during COVID the rest of our lives? Yeah, I mean, it's, in, it's, it's a really interesting time and it's a really challenging time, isn't it? I mean, I come from a very manual labouring, uh, agricultural, rural background. And, and you see it in the forums that we're all members of that, there's a huge, there's, there's a degree of, I told you so, that this, this work from home and productivity and all of that would, you know, the technology's there, people, people can be trusted, they'll get on with it, and they absolutely will. Uh, and, you know, what, you know, COVID has been not a huge change in lifestyle for myself, you know, I, I work from home anyway, um, and, and you carry on, but we're the lucky ones, we, anybody anybody working in technology i think for the next couple of years is is incredibly fortunate you know we are th this will be the next big step forward in the the technological digitization of our society if that doesn't sound too buzzwordy but it, you know we've already seen it happen with the with the ubers and, and and the way we all use amazon and and netflix and all of that but you know so much more will follow that path as a result but so, but I do worry, you know, especially as a father, um, you know, what do we do for those who don't work in technology or write about technology? And I think, you know, we're, we're moving into, for professionals, we're moving into a very portfolio orientated way to make a living. Um, and, you know, that, that's all well and good and, and necessary in many ways. But we, we do need to make sure that the, the those who who aren't professionals have a level of protection and lots of work flexibility and ability to reskill and educate um, because if if we don't you know we haven't we, we still haven't resolved in this country the the, the closing of the heavy industries I mean mm. much as that was necessary at the time it was the, the job wasn't finished um, on you know when I travel around parts of the country i see places that have been you know ignored and that's that's no way to treat any society no you're right and i think that's where things like universal universal basic income may come in it's fascinating isn't it yeah i mean it's a, a yes it's a topic i read about regularly and think yeah i wonder i wonder if this could work you know it's uh, something like that we're clearly reaching a, a major inflection point in in time, aren't we? The, the way, you know, just as we did with the sort of divide between capitalism and, and communism and that, and that sort of inflection point like that is coming. Uh, and hopefully some cleverer people than me are, are at the helm. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was listening to something the other day where they were comparing um, not so much socialism, but but what the Nordics do mm. in in the sense of <clears throat> you get taxed quite heavily, but you also benefit quite heavily from from the state. So your education, your medical, all that sort of stuff is covered, but it's covered across the board. And 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 because you're taxed based on I don't know how the tax tables work. I didn't really go into that, but but everyone's taxed almost at the same rate heavily. They everyone benefits from it in the same way. There isn't this the more you earn, the more you pay tax, or the less you earn, the less you pay tax. It's just you know, consistent, um, but they they don't have ne necessarily any of the problems that some of the other states have, like the Americas or or the UK or, or into Asia, where you have these divides between the, you know almost um, the, the haves and the have-nots, um, and because the people that are affected mostly by this have been you know people that earn either via manual labour role where they have to be there you know face face to face and that sort of thing. Um, 
all the industry that support doesn't need them because you know you're in travel or hospitality where no one's traveling there's no need for hospitality yeah um what do you do with those those skills or people without skills absolutely yeah i mean i'm i'm hugely fascinated by the nordics and, and the way they do these things and you know it wasn't that long ago well they were you know in mobile telecommunications they were the forefathers of so much innovation there uh, and now in electrification of cars you know that you've got polestar and people there you know some people sort of seem to accuse that sort of societal model of not allowing innovation but actually i, I look at them and go it's not what i see i, I, I see some pretty uh, i spent some time in denmark last year and uh, you know, innovation was was left, right, and centre, and of course, you know, Bang and Olsen through to, um, you know, Carlsberg, really forward-thinking organisation. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, there's a lot we could learn from that part of, part of the world. And I can't wait to start travelling again and go there. <laughs> I think the problem with the word like innovation or, or the word has become is that everyone's expected to be some drastically big thing, mm. but innovation is just doing something different. Yeah, and and I th- and. You know, if I, if I look at some of the, you mentioned, you know, the likes of Nokia or anything like that, they've come out because they were doing it differently and it, and it perpetuated across the world quickly because it was easy to adopt. Um, the, what we're, we're probably seeing or not not seeing as much now, so I'm trying to form this thought as I say, is that people are making changes all the time to, to, to operate and, and just basically hustle through this pandemic. No one's seen that as innovation. They've just seen them as, as hustling. Mm. which may end up with a whole bunch of new products or new services that are now available to you sort of naturally um, because they've had to exist, but no one's, you know, no one's really seen the, 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 the catalyst that had to, to drive that. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, that, that's what continuous improvement is, isn't it? And mm. uh, one of my clients and I, we created a zoom based TV show in, in four weeks. Oh, wow. Because the CIO community normally the, the client and I, would put on a major EMEA conference and I would, my role is to support the, the CIO strand of that event. Um, but obviously that's not going to happen this year. Uh, it would have been next week, I think. Um, but, you know, in four weeks, uh, a marketing agency, myself uh, and the, the team at the at, uh, Nutanix, we created a TV show using Zoom, you, bringing CIOs together. It was uh, yeah, an amazing opportunity and just shows that, you know, what can be achieved and it's just using standard technologies and um you know building a building a virtual team and, and that tv show is that something to air on on an internal network or is that youtube sort of thing or yeah i think i think it's on youtube it's on it's called the cloud council council c-o-u-n-s-e-l um and uh yeah it was a fantastic project to be involved in oh that's pretty cool and I think we need more of that. I think that there's a need for, um, because we're so spread out now and we can't get together, you need to, you need to adopt any, any other way to have a, a, you know, a tribe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you think, um, so, so the future of that, I mean, the future of our, do, do you see us going back to, to sort of full time in the office again, once, once we sort of get past COVID or I mean, what, what do you, what are you getting from the, from the market? It's interesting, isn't it? It's, I mean, I think that I think it, a, dis, a element of distributed enterprise is certainly for you know, as I say, that us fortunate to be knowledge workers is enormous. Mm. You know, my, my wife has been working at home for you know ever since lockdown and says her productivity is up, and uh, you know, um, it, it works. It's working for the business. It's working for her. 
Uh, and, and and you hear that story right across the forum, don't you, that um, that's happening. Uh, and again, you know, as I say, but for those roles that don't suit that, that's the challenge. Boom. What we do there. I, I, I mean, there's many benefits to it. I live in a rural town in just at the very edge of Surrey. And well, really, if, more, if, if most of us don't get on a train and travel out of town to work, then we... We, we will surely spend more time in our towns and, and invest in our local economies. Um, and that can be the, hugely to the benefit of the, the, big, the big major nationals and internationals, as well as the small local trader, and, and both, both require support. Yeah. Supply chains moved away from those because everyone was going to hubs. Mm. Now the folks are becoming more important again, and that's, uh, you know, that's an interesting... Uh, economic change and an interesting dynamic again for the CIO to grapple with day in, day out. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, yeah, and that's where technologies that have been delivered like uh, Microsoft's new WBD platform um, definitely in one sense take away one headache, but they create a whole new set of headaches, um, you know, as, as things evolve, uh, mostly with getting the people to adopt these things and use them. Mm. Um, Adoption rates were fascinating, weren't they, through COVID of, you know, everything from electronic signatures to full collaboration tools in many organizations that already sat there, that had been implemented, but they just hadn't got over the adoption hump. And then suddenly one Tuesday in March, we were told <laughs> to adopt them. And we all did. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I don't know if you saw some of the stats. I mean, you know, the, the amount of minutes that, that Zoom and, and, tweet, and Teams deliver on every day, I mean, it's in the billions. It's, it's quite... Yeah quite scary to even conceive that. Um, and also the amount of, of laptops that were bought and and all that sort of thing, which, you know, there was there was a surplus, but there was no surplus by the end of that week. It was all gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you also mentioned that that you do some writing for vendors. What, what sort of writing do you do for them? It's a mix of, of some ghostwriting and just old-fashioned copy editing, really, of, you know, there's a lot of vendors out there who don't, you know, they use the same voice right across the the, the spectrum of material they produce. Uh, and I'm, I've been very lucky to work with two or three companies who really understood that. Yeah, it's a different voice for the CIO. It's a different voice, you know. The DevSecOps guys don't speak the same as the CIO. Both are absolute pillars of the business, but you know, material. And I probably there's absolutely no way I could write for the DevSecOps guys because they'd want a, a level of technical detail that's way beyond my meager brain cells. Um, but that business-centric stuff that I've been covering day in day out for years, that's uh, that's where I step in. So uh, yeah, it's really good, and it's nice to see some vendors really. And a huge part of these commissions actually is usually they want to sit and learn as well. Actually, you know, are we communicating with CIOs in the correct way? And when you sit down and look at their materials, and I say, no, it's you know, it's too technical, or you're you're hitting them over the head, or you know, they need partners. It's a tough job, and let's talk about how you can partner with them, what what you can deliver hand in hand with them. Um, and and yeah, as I say, there's a couple of companies out there who re have really embraced that and go, yeah, you're right, go for it. Write that because we want to help these these guys because uh, they've got tough jobs. Yeah, I must admit the the amount of content that we get bombarded with. Uh, I mean, you, you can't open LinkedIn without you know a couple couple requests a day to to sell you some service or 
some product and you every so often there's a, there's a worthwhile conversation in it but it's probably you know a thousand to one or or whatever the, the, the you know it's marginal yeah. um, are you finding any sort of movement um to using new media as opposed to written words so going to video or podcasts or anything like that for for those sorts of leaders yeah, I mean, obviously the uh, the cloud council, you know, had a commercial element to it. That the partner there ultimately needs to sell their their wares and services um, in, in return for sponsoring this or this product. Um, so that that that's a clear example of video. Uh, obviously, we've seen a huge number. I mean, we're in sort of peak technology conference season mm. right now. Normally, it would have been VMworld in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Weeks and Gartner symposium and all of those, and of course they've all become uh, virtual events. Uh, and some of them have, have been really good. Yeah, I, I went to the Tipco and OutSystems ones last week. Uh, I'm very impressive, and uh, so all of that. But you know, I think written word still has huge amount of power to sort of underpin that because you 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 might listen to the CEO. And think, yeah, yeah, you know, she gets where I'm going with my business. That's good. Um, then you want to go, you know, it's natural to want to dig deeper, and the human mind often digs deeper by reading. Yeah. Not always, but um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that there's it's definitely both are growing in my experience. I think more written word, more video, more more audio, more virtual events. Um, I think we will go back to a real live events. Um, when it's safe to do so. And I think, you know, that there's a, but they'll change. They're probably going to be a lot more, a lot more targeted. Um, I always had a question mark over some of them, you know, that I went to that were just vast and huge jamborees. And yeah, as I say, having once written about motor racing, you know, the scale was pretty similar to a Grand Prix in terms of, you know, production uh, values and, and people involved and, and therefore cost involved, I, I think that will change drastically out of this, even for the, the mega vendors. I think that, you know, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how they, how they measure their marketing ROI for an event going forward. Be fascinating. Yeah. It's been interesting because I think, you know, some, some things have changed this year, like Apple had their, um, their event and usually their weight, you know, a couple of weeks before they release sort of their new operating systems and that kind of stuff. And they almost went to vent and they released straight away, which caught everyone who was used to that cadence mm. uh, unawares. Although iOS 14 is pretty buggy, so it probably could have waited another two weeks before they released it. Okay. Um, but even with, you know, looking at, at some of the other big ones like Microsoft's um, things Ignite, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was quite nice just to sort of watch the videos you know, it was a much more streamlined event. It wasn't necessarily as, as convoluted as it has been. Uh, not that I've traveled to one of those in the, in the US, but the UK one is quite, quite um, overloading. Um, so it's nice to see some of those things get a little more of a reality check. Uh, and they, they fit so much. You know, they're actually good for your productivity, I mean, and I, I, I would put them on on the iPad on the corner of my desk, yeah. carry on working and then sort of look over when you know when something had really jumped out at me, I was like, "What are they saying here?" Well, that's fascinating. That's really interesting. I hadn't looked at it that way, um, and then carry on my work, and, and it just carries on. You know, uh, as a as a lover of radio, and that it's um, it, it's a very similar paradigm. Yeah. Um, oh, super. Then, Mark, where is the best place to to get hold of you? LinkedIn or Twitter or something like that. 
Uh, yeah, I'm on uh, on LinkedIn uh, as uh, obviously Mark Chillingworth. Uh, I'm on Twitter at M Chillingworth. Uh, there's a lot of stuff about mountain biking on there, um, which uh, probably bore, bore the uh, bore the most uh, sensible business technology leaders to death. Uh, but uh, it's my obsession. Um, so yeah, they're the two main ones. Great stuff. Are you ready to do the epic yet? Uh, no, I don't know. I'm hoping. Uh, well, I was meant to be doing a Tour de Mont Blanc this year. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, so it's either that or Corsica next year is my um, is my plans for next year because I've basically got some travel arrangements in place already. But we're all sh- shelved for the time being. Uh, and then may- maybe maybe Epic the year after that. Who knows? <laughs> no, it's worth, worth aiming for. It's pretty yeah. great. <laughs> Super. Well, thanks for your time again, and uh, cheers. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.